you know you're a Knicks fan when on a beautiful July day when the sun is shining and all you have to do is go outside and, and see nature in its finest, you're going over the entire Knicks roster, including their summer league invitees, and torturing yourself on the hopes and expectations of, well, maybe the Knicks this year can make it to the playoffs. You know you're a Knicks fan if that's your life. And I'm a Knicks fan. And my name is Alan Feller, and this is 1973, the New York Knicks podcast. And we'll just jump right in. I've been a Knicks fan since probably 1978, 79, when I was a little kid. Um, And going back generations before that, my dad was a Knicks fan since the early 50s. My grandfather, I'm sure, right similar time or late 40s, early 50s. And in almost 70 years of following the Knicks, our family has seen exactly two championships. The Knicks were good for the early part of the 50s when they had some great scorers and a lot of you know, wonderful bench players, and the Knicks were a really good team. They had Carl Braun and and Connie Simmons, who was, I guess, a center. They had a lot of talent on that team, Dick McGuire. But then the Knicks were bad for many years, from the late 50s well into the mid-60s. And the Knicks started to build and get better, and that was my dad's, you know, favorite era, watching the Knicks when as they drafted... Willis Reed, and they got Dick Barnett in a trade with the Lakers. And they kept building and building until eventually they had the makings of a championship team with, with Walt Frazier and Cassie Russell and Bill Bradley and then the trade for DeBusher. And before you know it, the Knicks had a you know, mini dynasty. They won two championships in 1969-70 and 72-73, which is where we take the name of this podcast from. Because 1973 was the last time the Knicks won a championship. And that's, at this point, 46 years ago. So what we've been dealing with for 46 years is a lot of losing, a lot of mediocrity, a couple of really good eras, you know, with the Bernard King mini-run in the mid-'80s until his catastrophic injury, and then the Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason era, when the Knicks were right at the doorstep year after year and kept the pressure on probably one of the greatest franchises, greatest dynasties that we've ever seen, which is the Bulls with Jordan. And we went through the ups and downs on that, and the team was never quite good enough. We didn't have a complimentary star for Ewing. And we just battled through, and we fought through it, and just kept going. And as a Knicks fan, you're... You're just praying that you get back to that point where the garden's rocking and you're feeling good and you're watching a team play team basketball. And it's, you know, it's a New York tradition of having a belief that, you know, this is one of the great centers of basketball in the world, but yet our professional franchise has never matched our enthusiasm or our level of, you know, perfection or expectation. So this is where we're at. It's 2019. We have a team that finished with 17 wins, and all our hopes were pinned on a magical pairing of Hall of Fame-level talent, whether it be Durant or Kawhi. I don't know if Kyrie is a Hall of Famer, but certainly he's a champion. 
And this was, this was our plan. And instead of what we're, instead of what we expected to get, you know, things took a turn. Durant got severely injured and Kyrie turned out to be a team killer as Boston Celtics, which, you know, the hell with them. Who cares? They're the Boston Celtics. Let them, let them suffer. <laughs> but meanwhile, you know, our expectations were not met. And the front office at this point has no, you know, has no backup plan besides you know, piece together a group of you know, B and C level players and hope that the depth carries them through. So at this point, the Knicks are really you know, struggling and gasping for air after what, you know, most lay people, most people not connected to the Knicks or not Knicks fans realize, you know, it made them look like a laughing stock. So the Knicks at this point have to look within and see what we got as far as our young talent. We got a lot of young players, many of whom, you know, may never pan out or may never be what, you know, their draft status indicated. But, you know, it's, it's the Hope Springs eternal view of the New York Knicks, which is what we've been dealing with for many, many years, about 20 years at this point, since that last team in 99 that made it to the finals. So what we're going to do is we'll talk about all the different players. We'll go over all the details and just have a good time and let's see where, where the Knicks are going to be. Well, I think the first thing we got to go over is what our free agent pickups look like and who are, you know, who are going to be the standouts, who are not going to be the standouts. You know, we got Peyton, who, as we, as we discovered, you know, our illustrious general manager drafted when he was in Orlando. So you always take it as, as a matter of faith or an article of faith that if your front office head, if your general manager had favored a particular player back in his previous jobs, most likely that, you know, that will stay with them when they go to their new job. So there you are. The Knicks have Peyton, who looks like a potential starting guard candidate because at this point, Dennis Smith Jr. and Frankie <laughs> is not, they're not really ready for prime time. So we'll see how that's going to look. You know, Peyton certainly is a good defender. Peyton, you know, can, can hit shots if he's within 10 feet of the basket. You know, you can't expect him to be a great shooter, but the guy can, he can certainly rebound for a guard. He can, he can, he can distribute the ball. So there is some hope that he can be a, you know, a decent guard option for the Knicks. I'm not going to get crazy. This is not, you know, this is not one of the elite point guards in the league, but he certainly, you know, a step up from what we had last year with our friend Emmanuel. Anyway, so what else we got? We got, <laughs> we got Julius Randle, who just, you know, you saw the transformation when he went from the Lakers to the Pelicans. I mean, with the Lakers, you know, there was a bounce in his step. This is a guy who could make sparkling defensive plays, but I don't know if he did it all the time, but he certainly was a guy who had the capability of doing it. Once the Pelicans' disaster started to unfold, you saw Randall lose a lot of his enthusiasm, a lot of his intensity. Now, his shooting improved. He became a better scorer, but he's not, you know, that dumpster fire of a team is not exactly something he was, you know, enamored of, and, and Randall's play kind of reflected it. He was a great scorer. He could rebound. He could do some things, but 
his defensive intensity, his overall you know, manner on the court change. When you play for a shitty team, you're going to feel shitty. It's as simple as that. We've been watching that for 20 years on the Knicks. He was not that kind of guy. But Randall certainly has physical gifts. He's a big guy. He can, he can score. He can get up close to the basket. He can do things. And you're hoping with the type of team the Knicks have and with the spree decor that, you know, a bunch of young players out to prove themselves, you know, maybe this is something that we could see a change. Although in the NBA, our usual instincts are to say, if they can go back and forth and they could play hard one minute and not play hard the next minute, that's probably who they are as a player. So that's something to keep in mind. We also got Bobby Portis. You know, he's, what do you want to say about Bobby Portis? He's a big body. We saw him on Washington. You know, that were, his, his output remains to be seen. Not going crazy about him yet. You know, that's, I understand what the Knicks are trying to do. They had no power forwards. Let's add a whole bunch of power forwards. Let's see what sticks. Not necessarily a good recipe for success, but that's how the Knicks run. We brought back Wayne Ellenson after his initial non-playing time stint with the Knicks. What are you going to do about that? Taj Gibson, who, he's a pro. He's not a baby. He's in his 30s. This is a guy who really is there to provide the Herb Williams factor. Just be a professional guide some of these young guys, be a good locker room presence. That seems to be the Knicks' plan for, also for 20, 30 years. We like the pro, leave him in the locker room, talk to people. And sometimes you know, a guy like Herb Williams obviously became a coach later. Is, he may have had that positive influence. A lot of times these guys just take up space. And I'm not a big fan of, of the pro in the locker room, but you know what, I'm not in the locker room. What do I know? We also got Reggie Bullock, who can shoot. We got guys who can shoot. We have some guys, finally, who can hit a three-pointer. So, you know, from our free agent hall, we have people who can shoot the ball. We have some guys who can certainly rebound. We have some big bodies, which, if you're planning on playing in the East this year, especially against a team like Philadelphia, which has just increased the size of their front line, so it's not a bad idea to have it. But, you know, these aren't world beaters, but we'll see what happens. So that's, you know, as far as our free agent hall and what happened, you know, that's, that was the Knicks' plan B. They weren't going to go after the butlers of the world. They weren't going to go after any of that level of talent and overpay for that, which for the Knicks is a huge upgrade because the Knicks usually book, they screw that up all the time. Is they panic and they get the... B-level guys and the C-level guys, as opposed to just the B-level framework where you're getting guys to fill certain positions, guys who have some skills that the Knicks have been lacking, but not overpaying severely. They've kept team options for most of the players. And actually, I think everyone except for, and Randall has a third year, but that's a team option. Everyone else is a one-and-one. So you have some flexibility, and I guess the Knicks' next free agent Pining is going to be for Jonas. So the Greek freak will be on the radar. Again, we're going to have to go through the same nonsense, the same bullshit for the next two years as we wait and see that you know, when we get spurned again for the 8,000th time, maybe you know, we'll learn a lesson. We probably won't. So the Knicks at this point 
have a roster that is you know, a real amalgam of young, unproven guys, a little bit older, but still very young guys who have shown some things, some upside, but not, nothing crazy. You have Julius Randle, who's, you know, who had good numbers for a horrible Pelicans team. You know, we don't want to get into the Tony Campbell, you're scoring 20 for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and suddenly, you know, we think you're, you know, you got talent. But this is the way the Knicks are being built. That'd be the real excitement that's in the Knicks, you know, future, I think, is really for, you know, our young kids. We got two of the, I think, really tremendous athletes. We have Mitchell Robinson, of course, who's, he's a specimen that you've, you've never really seen. A guy who can go move from side to side on the court in a split second, make a defensive play on one end, block a three-pointer on another end, get up to the basket. He's, you know, he's an amazing talent. Will the Knicks squander it? Will he be sturdy enough? Because the NBA seems to eat up big guys who move around a lot. There's a lot of injury concerns with all of our, our athletes at this point, especially guys who have that size. So we're concerned. But Mitchell is a, he's a great athlete. He's an exciting player. The Knicks have a guy who, you know, this is someone we've never really had, not at least since Camby, someone who could do those things defensively and offensively. We'll see about his game as far as shooting and moves around the basket, that's, that's something that we'll, you know, we'll see as time goes on. And, you know, we have R.J. Barrett, who, having watched a lot of Duke games, you see him, you see Zion. Zion, of course, is impossible to miss. He's the Mack truck. He's, he's the guy you're driving down the highway. He's driving next to you, and you say, shit, this guy's fucking big, and he's fast, and I got to get the fuck out of the way. But meanwhile, R.J. Barrett is a sports car. He's, you know, he's the Porsche. He's the, you know, he's the Bugatti. He's the guy who you're looking and say, wow, this guy can move. He operates around the basket. He can do a lot of things. He, he can pass. He has got a lot of skills. And you're really in awe of his talent. But obviously, you're not going to have the same feelings as compared to Zion, who is on another planet. But... RJ, and you watch enough games, and even you saw in the NCAA tournament where Zion's at the line, misses a big free throw, who puts it in and keeps the game going is RJ Barrett. He's got a calmness about him that's pretty great. And I think he is going to be a great pro. I think he's got the temperament, he's got the body, he's got that Scotty Pippen like calm. So, you know what? There's hope. There's, this is a guy who could do some stuff. Now, of course, everybody's freaking out. Well, we're. Picking third in a two-person draft. Obviously, Zion is the guy we wanted. We didn't go. Shock. This is the Knicks. We don't get it what we want. John Morant, super talented guy, took Murray State into the, into the playoffs, into the tournament, and really did some nice things. He's a great player, too. He can also pass the ball. He can do a lot of things. Been great to have him. Didn't have him. So, but RJ is going to be good. I think he's going to be a talented guy. Now, the rest of the young players that we have and we're going to be looking at and seeing for the next, you know, year or so, you know, we got Kevin Knox. Now, there's no player that draws such a, such a wide array of opinions like Kevin Knox. You know, where he was drafted, you know, he's a top 10 pick. He's a guy who had expectations of 
you know, this guy was going to come in and score and defend. And, but the reality is, yeah, as a defender, he's, he's still very tentative. And he can rebound. And we Knicks seem to have a lot of people who can rebound. But as far as defending the perimeter, stopping these guys from getting the three, you know, that's an open look. Moving without the basketball. Being confident once you get the basketball. This is something that Knox has not shown in his year with the Knicks. He can certainly shoot the three. He's got, he's got an ability to shoot. We've, we've seen that. His floaters and drives are something that, you know, comes with a lack of confidence because, you know, every so often that, that spark would come out, but he didn't show it that often. So Kevin Knox is a guy we're going to have to watch. You know, the jury's still out. He's a baby. He's a kid. These are all kids. Everybody here is a kid. So we have to be mindful of that. We can't just say the hell with it. This is, you know, he's done. No. When you're 18, 18, 19, 20, as an NBA player, that's, you're still, you know, growing. You're still learning physically and, you know, mentally. This is not an easy thing. I mean, we, we grew up, every player coming out was, you know, 20, 21, 22, some were even older. So it's a huge difference in terms of talent development. So this is where we're at as a, as a franchise and as a league. We have young players who are not developed, and we're putting a lot of pressure on them, and I expect, expect them to become these finished products, which they're not. Then we have our favorite, Alonzo Trier, Isozo, whatever. This is, what, this is who we got. And he wasn't signed last year. We picked him up as a free agent after the draft. He showed us very good things in the in Knicks Summer League. And as a player, this is a guy who can score. He's very confident around the basket. He's a really good shooter. He's a really good presence on the team. He can handle the ball. He's got a good handle. The issue, of course, with him is can he defend? And how does he make other players around him better? Is he just instant offense? Is he one of those sport players you bring off the bench? And that seems to be what his role will be. Is he a starter? Probably not. But you know what? Great guy to have in a tight game. And you want to have some offense. You want to have some strength and some confidence around the basket. He's a really good guy in that respect. I like Alonzo a lot. I think he's a good player to have on your team. So this, that's my take on him. We also have a lot of really unproven guys that are going to be coming in because, you know what, we have Summer League around the corner, and in a few days we're going to have the, what I think is really the next season comes down to who we have on our Summer League team, what gems we can mine, you know, from this unsigned talent or these cast-offs. This is where the Knicks, you know, have always thrived, is picking a piece that you didn't expect to be good, and this goes back even to the Starks era or to Anthony Mason. We would pull guys out of thin air who were not really looked at as anything and then turn them into players or at least give them a chance to participate. So we got a bunch of guys. You know, our draft also had, you know, Ignis, you know, from Michigan who we know he can shoot. You know, he's one of those guys. He's our second-round draft pick from this year. He can really shoot the ball. Great motor, great, you know, just he's great, great intensity, which is something the Knicks 
desperately need is a guy who can just bring it every single time. So we do have a young player who can do that. We'll be seeing him at the summer league. We'll see how he handles himself and see how he really plays with, you know, talent of an NBA caliber. And we have Kadeem Allen, who I love too. He's great, you know, he's a great young guard in terms of, you know, he also has a motor and he played well under very adverse conditions for the for a horrible Knicks team. And, you know, let's see what he does. He played well last year. I think he was really good considering he was unheralded and he's been bounced around. So let's see what happens. We also have guys like Chris Wilkes from UCLA who people are surprised that he didn't get drafted. But you know what? Let's see what happens too. He's supposed to be a talented player. We'll see him. You know, we've seen YouTube clips of him. There's, there's a big difference between YouTube and watching him in the in a summer league and then summer league to the pros. Let's see how that changes. Also, we have Amir Hinton playing, talented college athlete, good scorer. We'll see how that works out. Plus, we have a bunch of guys who, you know, remains to be seen. We don't have a lot of information on, and we'll kind of just follow and see which guys will pop out of this list. I know we have Kenny Wooten, who's supposed to be a good defender, supposed to be able to really block shots. I've seen some highlights of that. That'd be fun to see in the summer league capacity. So really, we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of things to digest as Knicks fans. We had a lot of issues to kind of sort through. This has been a really rough few days for the Knicks. Watching the Nets get the players we thought we were getting, even if Kevin Durant at eighty percent in, in a year from now may not be a, you know your favorite outcome, but. It, the Knicks were looking for some legitimacy, which is hard to say considering we are the, the cornerstone franchise of the NBA and a New York fixture, but we don't have the record. We don't have the, you know, the legacy that other teams have. We are, in many respects, we're a joke, and we've been a joke for many, many years, and this is a very hard thing to take, and that's why all Knicks fans, you know, we're a very earnest and dedicated bunch, and we're, and we're going through this this. You know, this process, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I am excited to watch a lot of these guys participate in summer league. Let's see how the next team unfolds. Are they a playoff team? Are they a has been? Are they also rans? Are they either way? The Knicks are not a finished product by any 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 measure. They're not winning championships anytime soon. We don't have an A lister. We'll see if R.J. Barrett becomes this guy or not may take them a few years to develop. The Knicks are not there yet. We're just seeing a lot of young players. The Knicks are a young team. Most of the guys are 25 and under. And we'll see what happens. we got to be positive. It's you know, The reason why this podcast is called 1973 is because we haven't won in 46 years. Watched a lot of really bad teams you know, wear, wear the Nick uniform. And it's, you know, it gets to a point where you say, okay, well, what does it take for us to, you know, overcome that? Chicago Cubs won after having not won a World Series since 1908. The Red Sox certainly have exercised their ghosts and demons. You know, in hockey, we're, you know, being a Rangers fan, watching them take on a 54-year curse and winning and seeing how they built a team. Didn't happen overnight, obviously. That's a team that took at least, you know, eight to nine to ten years of 
building and changing the culture on that team. And they had some winning years and, and they had some talent. But to build the team to win a championship, you needed piece after piece. And the next, you know, we'll see if that comes to fruition. But anyway, this is our first ever 1973 podcast. And it's, it's a very one-sided conversation because just going over all the ins and outs of what we have. And we'll see what, you know, see what the Knicks give us, especially starting this week with the Knicks Summer League. Should be a lot of fun watching Mitchell slam some, some shots home and some give and goes and let's see some movement. And maybe the Knicks can, you know, surprise us a little bit. But when I was checking my phone and looking at that free agent tracker and then seeing that Durant was supposedly following Alonzo Trier on either Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever, and then this way you're in your heart, you're saying, wow, maybe this is it. Maybe Durant really is coming. Maybe this is going to happen. And then right after that, seeing the news that this is not happening and it's going to the Nets. You know, and, that's, and that's the Knicks experience, just fighting through these crushing blows because you love a franchise, you love a team, you love a sport that much. So let's see what happens. Have some patience. You know, we're just, we're just beginning. And maybe this will get fun eventually when I'm 102. But right now, you know, let's just let's see what happens. Thanks again for listening. And hopefully uh, we'll be spending a lot of time going over all the fun Knicks stuff and the shitty Knicks stuff and just, you know, being a basketball fan in New York. And even if you're not living in New York, you get to listen and hear the ups and downs of what this team does to a person. It's a nice psychological experiment. Once again, my name is Alan Feller. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me.